call it a comeback I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Like, you hit somebody on the butt right now, you're not giving them Corona through their butt. This is the Press Box. Shove it in. With Grady and Bischoff. Set up with a bottle of ranch dressing and he just starts screaming, get it all over my face. On ESPN Las Vegas. Boy, there's an intro we're not going to get back. We're here on a Monday, week ahead. It's Ed, Tyler, Jared. Hope you had a great weekend. We'll talk about that in a second. But let's start off with some BGK. The First Bite. Is Alex Tuck one of the five best players on the team? Oh, just start counting. We got to start counting them Maybe? off. Flurry, Stone, Pacioretty. Yeah, I, I don't think you can get to five, Tyler, without uh, Tucky with a Tucky. Y. Tucky with a Y. Being is it is it Tucky there. with a Y or Tucky with an IE? Might be ER. Give him a little Tucker. Tucker. What, oh. Yeah, I, I hope DeBoer like changes it up today and says, you know, Tucker's a good player. Um, yeah, I mean, the way he's playing right now, uh, I don't know if it can last, you know, going on career numbers and what he's done trajectory, but boy, he's playing really well night right now and, uh, uh, getting his opportunities and has career high numbers. So, uh, yeah, they, he's playing well. He's got the second most goals on the team. Only Max Pacioretty has more. He has actually the most goals at five on five this year That's for the big. Golden Knights because Pacioretty has two overtime winners this year, yeah. which is doesn't count as five on five. Um, and so, like, you look this season, if you're ranking the Golden Knights, Fleury's been the best. Yeah. Mark Stone's been the second best. Yeah. Max Pacioretty's probably been the third best. And then yeah. I don't yeah. know that you can make an argument that anybody else has been better than Alex Tuck or at least more yeah. productive than Alex Tuck because, you know, scoring goals is the most important part of the game or tied with not letting in goals for the most important part of the game. So he probably is the fourth best player of the yeah. team this year, especially because like Alex Petrangelo hasn't been some superstar defenseman, even Shea Theodore. He's been okay, but Shea Theodore hasn't really been anything special this year. Uh, the Carlson, Marcia, so Smith line, they haven't been bad, but I don't think you'd put any of those guys ahead of Alex Tuck right now, but here's what I would expect. And it's that Alex Tuck is going to cool off rather quickly because his overall analytics, his core this year is 49% and his expected goals is 47%. When Tuck's on the ice, the Golden Knights are getting beat in possession. They're getting beat in chances. Uh, and if you look at their lines this year, granted, they've mixed them up, but the main lines that we're used to, the Carlson line, they've had great numbers all year. You know, of course, he expected goals. Stone's line has been good all year. Tuck and Glass, and then whoever sort of is rotated in there as the next uh, winger on that line, haven't been that great. They're below 50%, and then obviously the fourth line's been terrible, and DeBoer needs to bench them, but that's a conversation we had last week. But the numbers suggest the third line is getting beat more often than they help, and so far they're kind of defying those numbers with how well they've performed. And then Tuck himself individually, his expected goals this year at just five on five, is 2.9 he's scored eight he's scored more than five goals above expected this season that's so high it's kind of hard to believe so 
The question for Alex Tuck is, you know, do you believe that he's good enough to keep defying those underlying numbers? Because some players are. Some guys are good enough that they can defy some of those numbers. But do you believe Tuck is good enough to do that? And and I don't think he is. Tuck's a good player, but I don't think Tuck is good enough to be, you know, that far above what the expected goals and what the actual analytics say he and his line should be producing. Yeah, I mean, I will say this for him because I remember, and I it might have been the very same day, it certainly was around the same time, when they signed Tuck and Theodore to their to their contracts. And I remember being in the locker room that day, and we kind of asked questions of both of them, and they were obviously both happy. They were young players. Uh, they were getting deals that they hadn't had before. And both of them, specifically, I remember Tuck saying that, you know, because people ask him, like, why lock yourself up? Now, like, you know, would you not want to see if you have a great season and get more money? And he said the goal was, obviously, with a lot of young players to outplay the contract where he gets security and he knows he's going to, you know, have some money for a while. And then at the end of the contract, people look back and say, boy, that guy was a bargain. You really underpaid that guy. I agree with you. I don't know if he can keep this up because, you know, his history to this point are nowhere near these numbers. Uh, much like we've said about Flurry, where you know he just can't keep this up, although it appears he continues to do so. Um, I will say that about and, and to the same point about Shea Theater, I think they've both been as much as we said signing Flurry was silly to that deal. To this point, these guys are bargains for what you gave them, and if they keep you know if they keep playing like they are, I think at the end of those deals you will look back and say that's like boy they were they were better than their contract. So I'm going to say that about them, but I'm I'm definitely with you on the side of. For him to keep this up would just not be plausible, uh, you know, looking at what he's done and look what he'd have to do to continue scoring like this. Yeah, it'd it'd be remarkable if he did. Now, Tuck's contract, you can make an argument it's one of the best contracts George McPhee has signed Mm -hmm. for the Golden Knights because he's been under that contract for a couple of years already. He's under that contract until he's 29 and he's only getting paid $4.75 million, which is, it's not nothing. But I, I think here, here's the thing with Alex Tuck. To me, the key for him in his career is will he get to play top six minutes with a legitimately good center? Right. Because in his time with the Golden Knights, he has played the center he's played with the most is Cody Eakin. Good luck. He played 1,100 minutes at five on five with Cody Eakin. And his expected goals and Corsi with Cody Eakin in his career is 49%. When he's played with Paul Stasny, who's not here anymore, but when he played with Paul Stasny, it was 57% and 59%. When he's played with William Carlson, it's 53%. So to me, the, the key for Alex Tuck's career, for him to actually take off as like a star player, is when does he get to play on a top two line, when does he get to play with a legitimately good center? Because that's when I think Alex Tuck will truly take off. Obviously, he's kind of taken off right now. But that's when I think he'd take off. And you could say, oh, this is going to last because he's now playing with William Carlson every night or he's now playing with Mark Stone every night or whatever that would be. That's what I would expect him to take off. And that's when a $4.75 million contract is going to be incredible for the Golden Knights. Because if you... Listen, if you slotted Tuck in, like let's say Riley Smith got hurt and Riley Smith is out, and now all of a sudden Tuck's now playing with Carlson and Marsh so every night, Alex Tuck's probably going to stay as the number two goal scorer on this team. He's probably going to have an unbelievable season, and you're paying him less than $5 million, and he's 24 and you've got him on that contract until he's 29 years old. Like it's a phenomenal deal 
for the Golden Knights, and you're just sort of sitting around waiting for the opportunity for Alex Tuck for when he finally gets to play top six minutes yeah. uh, every single night. Yeah, and I think that this I think the same true uh, holds true for uh, for Theodore. I remember him. You know, Anaheim gave up on him, exposed him. Um, I think they probably well, they definitely regret it now watching him and how he's progressed. They probably every time they play against the Golden Knights and seemingly lose, they probably look on the ice is like, what did we do there? You know, it, you know, leaving him out there. So, I, and I, I forget, and I'm gonna check that was he exposed or traded? I'm trying to think in terms of the Ducks and how they moved him, but they certainly didn't uh, look look and say Shea Theodore is going to be this and he, he's kind of on the same deal so you know you got to give like you said you got to give credit to McPhee a couple of these deals we've shook our heads at and say boy that was kind of silly I don't know what that was but he sure he sure hit it uh with these two so far and and there's no reason to believe like you said even if Tuck comes back a little uh there's no reason to believe at any point during you know this run that you're going to look back and say that was just a horrible deal why do you why would you have done that no I, I think it's almost impossible for Alex Tuck's deal to look bad I, I like. I guess he could get hurt and not play the the next right, five yeah. seasons, but I, I think it's it's almost impossible because again, it's not even five million dollars, and it's not nothing. But Alex Tuck has already produced at a level where you're perfectly happy with what he's doing for that salary. So I like he and Shea Theodore too, because Theodore's basically in the same. Yeah, I think Shea Theodore's a year older, uh, and his contract's one year less in terms of when it ends. But I think Theodore too, because he's at five point two million. I, uh, again, unless those two guys get hurt and are hurt for the next five seasons, I think it's almost impossible for either one of those deals to look bad in the future. And those are the contracts. And you throw in Jonathan Marcheseau and Riley Smith, who are both at $5 million, Those are the contracts that allow the Golden Knights to go after Mark Stone and go after Max Pacioretty and Alex Petrangelo and even to keep Marc-Andre Fleury around, even though his contract is more than you'd likely like to be paying. Right, those are the contracts that allowed that to happen because they're getting legitimately good production and paying, you know, decent money but not ridiculous money to good players. Yeah, I want to say I'll, I'll correct myself. He was traded from the Ducks in order, uh, uh, reading it for Anaheim to keep uh, John Manson, uh, uh, excuse me, Josh Manson at the time. So, you know, they they still gave up on him in a sense. And Theodore, seven years, thirty six and a half million dollars. That's another. That's another one that you look back and said, you know, at this point, it's a really good signing. So two young players that are playing well for them, you don't, you're not paying them a fortune. And, you know, those are the kind of players you want. You want it to work out the way it's worked out with these two, uh, these two young kids. And, you know, kids are relative, but two, you, two young players. And, you know, Tuck's been great. You know, and the other thing about Tuck is I'm not sure, well, they probably knew, you know, he had a potential to be a, a goal scorer. I, I think he shocked them and most people with his speed how big he is, how fast he is. They must, when they're in the room talking about him, there's got to be things, and I think you agree, about his game that they didn't even know they were getting. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're seeing this year with the goal scoring is sort of the culmination of his peak, right? This is like, if everything goes well, this this is is what Alex Tuck will be because he's fast and he's big, and that's obviously a good thing in pretty much any sport you'll ever play is to be fast and big. So, like, but this is the culmination of, okay, he's using his speed because a lot of the goals they've scored have been sort of, uh, like, quick hitters, not necessarily, like, two-on-one, you know, breaks, but they've been sort of quick hitters where they push through the neutral zone quickly and get sort of eh, more of an even man break, and he finishes it. Like, it's, this is sort of the culmination of what you'd expect. I'll give you one thing on the Tuck and Theodore contracts that could be bad. Both of them, when their contracts are up, are going to be 29 years old. 
And so what the Golden Knights do with their second contract could be, that could be where it's bad. Because depending on how well their careers play out, you could be in a position where you feel almost forced to give them a big second contract when they're 29. And that's where you could run into a problem. That's where like the Alex Petrangelo deal. Where, well, you, you're saying they'd have to decide between one of them, maybe? Well, no, no, no. That you might give them an eight-year deal when they're 29. Right, right. And right, all of a right. sudden, you've, you've got them under contract at seven, eight, so nine million. So they're like million. 36 or 37. Right, which is exactly what they did with Alex Petrangelo. And everybody's like, well, if you win the cup in the next three years, right, yeah, that contract might look bad down the road. So, But that might be where they are with Tuck and, and Theodore, because when they become free agents is at the very end of their prime, and presumably they're going to want a long-term deal again. If you're the one to hand that out, all of a sudden you're stuck with, oh, we're paying Alex Tuck when he's 37, and Alex Tuck at 37 is nowhere near as good. But again, that is that is 13 yeah, that's a good years down have. the road. That is yeah. 13 yeah. years away from now. I mean, so that's not yeah. something to really be worried about. If they don't win a cup in 13 years, Bill Foley will be will be upset. Um, I will I will make this. You know, there will be a new general I, manager if yes, they don't win a cup in yeah. 13 years. I'm I'm going out of the limb here, and I, I don't like to do this, but uh, I'll do it just for you. If in fact that happens, and they have to lock up Theodore and Tuck for those long term deals, it will be announced at 11:06 p.m. at night. So um, both Wait, of them they, will be. Did they do something this weekend? Did I did I no, miss a no, late press was, release? Oh, okay, the, okay. It was the first or second year when it's like we have signed Nate Schmidt to an extension. We know it's ten thirty at night. We're telling you now. And there were like three or four of those. Were like, hey, can you can you do this at eight p.m.? Because my guess is you didn't decide this at ten p.m. tonight. This has probably already been done for a few days. So why don't you release <laughs> these things a little earlier than ten? You know, I'm going back to what I always go back to. Help us out on deadline. Nope. Deadlines are irrelevant, Ed. <laughs> They're irrelevant. Welcome to the internet, Ed. Twitter yes. is constant. There are no deadlines on Twitter. Oh. Wake up and tweet it out. Um, all right. I, I want to I get both of you guys in here because something I think we should do on this show. Do either one of you have any idea what happened with um, Meghan Merkel and the guy who's balding but looks like he's 28 at the same time and I can't remember his name? Uh, they talked to uh, uh, royalty, right? They talked Wait, to Oprah. Yes. The last, yes, last, but, night's, last night's interview, yeah. Yeah, but like, do either yeah. one of you know what happened? Like, what people are mad about? Because all I saw was people were mad. Um, I assume that it's just because the English sort of imperialism. I don't know. No. Okay, well, great. Yeah, well, I he, mean, the, 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 the basic thing that came out of it that I think... Uh, were as my wife is waiting with bated breath for the for the uh, <laughs> for the crown for the crown and the establishment to respond to was the racial undertones of Meghan Markle and, and Prince Harry's child as to they literally said that there were people within the establishment that asked you know ridiculously hideous questions like you know how dark will he be and stuff like that that I watched the entire interview and that has to be the number one thing that came out where people said, whoa, I mean, they asked those things. Most of the other stuff was what you'd expect from the crown and from and from the establishment. That was the one thing that they both talked about where I think between Oprah and all of them, they said someone actually asked that. And they said, yes, and they they were never going to say who he, he will never say who said that. But, yeah, I think that's if you're asking what people are mad about, that has to be what they're mad about. Okay, you know way more than I expected well, you to know about this. What I yeah, what I want to do is we have calm down, Jared. We got you know you got to go <laughs> break. Let me be the producer for a second. What I want to do, we have Mike Ramallah, Ryan Wallace, and Kevin E. Martin on the show today. I want to ask each one of them 
what happened. Just, hey, yeah. fill us in on what happened, and let's see if any one of those three were paying enough Wait. attention to tell us what happened. You, you didn't watch this? I, well, we, 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 waited, we waited a whole week for this. We were excited. We had, the, we had the TV ready to go. I got home from the race on time, put that baby on every minute of it. You, you weren't excited about this? Ed, there were actual sports. Yeah, like what do you think happened? Well, I watched the end of the All Star game. game. I watched the All Star game too, but you could watch the end of the All Star game and still uh, and still hit up the interview. It was it was possible. I have zero. I didn't know this was happening until I saw a commercial with Oprah saying, "Were you silent or were you silenced?" And I was like, "I don't know what the hell is even going on." I don't. I don't know any of the context behind was she silent or silenced. It sounds like a great question. But I don't have any idea what the hell she's talking about. I just don't feel like these two people are important enough to be talking to Oprah. (laughs) See, that's how I feel about it. Where's Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell mad about their All-Star Game selections? All right, coming up next, we'll jump into a little bit of the All-Star Game as uh, Team LeBron dominated Team Durant. Just in general, this All-Star Game was kind of forced and uh, just thrown upon us. That's it within itself. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. All right, because we got carried away talking about uh, British royalty, um, I, I want to know, we don't have enough time to do both. Do you want to talk about the actual All-Star game and how it was fun? Or do you want to talk about how the NBA shouldn't have had an All-Star game and two of its players didn't get to play in it because they tried to play an All-Star game during a pandemic? Uh, I want to talk about the celebrity two-on-two. Nobody cares about that, Jared. Neither Ed or I know anybody that was in that. No. Oh, the dunk contest? Well, that too. Just what do you want to do? You want to do serious... Do you want to do no, serious? Why no, the hell did they play on. it? Or do you want to do fun? Hey, let's forget that we're in a pandemic and watch the All-Star game. No, we've already done serious with the Royals. Let's go fun. Okay. You know what's great about the All-Star game? Nobody knew who was in the dunk contest. Oh, nobody. Nobody. I, no, okay, I'll take that back. I did know. I mean, I knew Obi Toppin, obviously, because it was collegiate career. And uh, I, so I'm sitting there watching with my son, and I can't believe how many times I was like, who's that guy? Like, I had no clue who any of these guys were. He knew them all. I'm like, I don't. I know Obi Toppin only because he's a really good college player. But these other guys, it was like, man. And they're talking about Vince Carter and all these guys and the Jordan and Spud and all these guys at the great dunk contest. I'm like, man, how far is this thing falling? Give me a Zach Levine. I can't believe I was sitting there begging to see Zach Levine. It is uh, not good when your dunk contest most popular player is popular because he was a good player at Dayton. For a few yes. years, yes, that's, he's good. That's not ideal when that's the most uh, when that's the biggest headline name you have in the dunk contest. And then Anthony Simmons or Simons, I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, is the one that actually wins it. Um, I will say, if Anthony Simons or Simmons had actually kissed the rim, yeah, I, the dunk contest would have been perfectly okay. I would have everything that who the hell are these people? What are these dunks? Like everything else would have been fine if he had actually been able to kiss the rim when he pulled that dunk off because that would have been a tremendous moment and a tremendous video and gift to watch for the rest of time because dunking the rim while you're trying to dunk it and running and jumping full speed at it sounds like a way to break your teeth yeah kenny the jedi agreed with me said the internet would have exploded like twitter would have exploded if that guy had had done that and actually you know got all the way through in terms of done it it would have just been yeah, it'd been one of the greatest dunks ever. Now, 
my biggest takeaway from All-Star Day instead of All-Star Weekend was um, Steph Curry kind of reminding everybody how great he is because he won the three-point contest and then he hits eight of 16 threes in the All-Star game. He and Damian Lillard are having a shooting contest from half court in that game. But what's like, to me, what's going to be amazing about Steph Curry is we're never going to talk about him in the LeBron Jordan conversation. Like he's never going to be there. But when we look back at the 2010s and 2020s and the game of basketball, I think we're going to look back and Steph Curry is going to be the main name we associate with how the game was changed, how yeah, three-point how changed. shooting yeah. became yeah. the most dominant thing because the yeah. sport's completely different now. I mean, it is completely yeah. different the way this game is played. And I think when we look back, it's going to be Steph Curry and the Warriors, you know, letting him shoot from anywhere, being capable of drilling threes from anywhere at such a high percentage. He's going to be the name that we associate the most with changing the actual game. Not so much greatest of all time type player, but changing the way the game is played. That's going to be Steph Curry. And last night to me was a little bit of a reminder of that. And Eric Reed, you know, putting all of the, uh, you know, the seeds for that, that change to happen in the early or the mid 2000s. Who the hell is Eric Reed? Eric Reed. Oh, sorry. I just totally screwed up my own joke. I'm going to go Eric away now. <laughs> Anywho. Um, I, okay, so, the, you know, the thing about basketball, you're exactly right. It's like, oh, the game changed. Eric Spolstra. Why did I make him Eric Oh, Eric Spolstra. Um, if, you, if you think, you know, basketball is obviously, like, obviously different eras, right? It's like, okay, the Jordan no era, this era, the game's differently. You know, how would Jordan play today and everything? But I do think one of the things that kind of spans all of them, and I'll see what you think about this really quick, is, is he the greatest shooter ever? Because you can go back and, you know, Maravich or whoever, pick a shooter from forever ago, and then look at Steph Curry, and I'd have to believe, is a strong sh- argument, he's the greatest shooter ever. Yeah, the percentage that he's made the threes is an unbelievable mark. The volume that he shot them at is unbelievable. But also, the type of threes he shot. Because he has not been catch-and-shoot three-point shooter like, whatever, Kyle Korver or somebody who's been a great shooter. Steph Curry is pulling up off the dribble in transition from 35 feet, and it's a a good shot. Like, that's a quality shot. Like, yeah, right now he is. Now, is Damian Lillard better than him? Will Damian Lillard eventually be better than him? Maybe. I'm sure in five, ten years there'll be somebody else we look at and say, well, he's better than Steph. But, yeah, right now I, I think there's no doubt the way he is shot beyond the percentage and the amount he takes He's the best because of the degree of difficulty for most normal players versus what he's actually well, been able to do. All number right, one, next. Steph. Number two, Jimmy Chitwood. Uh, who? Is that from some old movie I've never seen? Oh, Coming up next. God, don't say Mike who. Kermala joins the show. <laughs> he's never seen a steak that is too gray. He once ate half a box of Cheez-Its for lunch and finished off the other half for dinner. He has eaten exactly one taco in his life. He is Mike Grillmala. Have tacos changed that much since I tried one? (laughs) Mike, how are you this morning? Uh, Mike, hey. I'm good, man. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Can you uh, give us a breakdown? Why are people so mad after the uh, Prince Harry, Meghan Markle interview with Oprah? After the what? <laughs> Come on. Come on. I, I have not, dude. It, 
you guys are used to it, but this is really early. I haven't even opened up Twitter yet. I don't know what's going on in the world. Dude, this you, happened. And do, you know yesterday. Who, do you know who Meghan Markle is? Yes, yeah, she's the the, print, the princess from America okay. who married into the okay. royal Okay. Okay. All right. I okay. That's uh, Ed is yeah. or Ed. Uh, Jared and uh, me and Mike are on the same page. Ed is the only one that has any information about this on this show. So um, <laughs> that's, that's that's all we needed, Mike. That's all we needed from you is is to find out what happened there. But you let us down. So instead, I guess we'll talk about the other big news across the world, and that is that Wyoming beat up on UNLV. Uh, so UNLV fell to eight and ten in the regular season. If you're summarizing the regular season for UNLV, what would it be? Disappointing, uh, underachievement for sure, and right from the very beginning. Like you just look back at that opening game against Montana State, uh, home game, open the season. Everything that went wrong with the season was right there in that game. Just the the roster problems, the, the play style issues, everything that ended up going wrong in the long term was right there in the short term. So, uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been disappointing, you know, 24, 25 games. They never really found anything that they were particularly good at. They never really found a consistent way to, to win. So I would, I would say just a disappointment. So we'll, and we'll see what they do this week, open up against air force. And then, uh, and then, you know, I think it would be, am I wrong to say it's Utah state? I, you know, I, whoever, yeah, they'll get the two seed. Um, before we know what they're going to do this weekend, let's just assume it probably doesn't go past the second game then. Let me ask you this then. I mean, and we've talked about the roster rebuild with you before, but after watching Wyoming and after seeing what happened down the stretch here, like how far are they away from even being a top three team? Is it going to take a total roster rebuild? Or have you seen anything that you're like, well, maybe if this and this happens, they'd be a little better next year? I think it's probably a rebuild. You're looking at uh... – probably five or six guys who are on the roster right now who are not going to be back next year. There's just too many deficiencies. They need too many things. They're going to be big players in the transfer market. As soon as, like, as, soon as the season ends, um, the coaches are going to be in the transfer portal trying to, to figure out what to do next year. It's just, yeah, it's um, disappointment as much as it is for the fans. I think the, co- like the, the coaches and everyone who put the team together were all like, they thought it was also going to be sort of an NCAA tournament kind of year. And yeah, that, that's, it's going to be a, a rebuild probably. So how much do you think when you mentioned the coaches being disappointed, how much do you think they're looking internally saying, you know, how did we screw up the evaluation of how good this roster was? I, that's got to be the, the first place you look. They, they, there, now, there were some guys that were recruited, you know, uh, Donovan Yap, Jalen Martinez, guys like that who they, they knew would be projects. You know, maybe they'll turn into something or maybe they'll play a year and transfer. And those, those are your projects. But there were some other guys like, you know, Eduardo Delcadia, who they, um, David Jenkins, guys who they thought were going to come in and be one thing and they were really excited about. And then they just they just missed. They, they missed on the evaluation. David Jenkins couldn't really transfer it from a lower level to, to the Mountain West. Um, Delcadia has not played all year. Um, so there, you know, there were some guys that were projects. You always thought they might not turn out, but there were some real evaluation misses on the recruiting trail. So, I mean, the coaches have got to figure out what went wrong in those situations and try to correct it because they're going to have to do those college evaluations again because they're going to rely on transfers next year. So the guys that missed Jenkins, Belcadio, they've got to figure out why they missed 
and hope that they do better on the next round of college guys that they bring in. Uh, Two-part question, because it was just assumed before the year, and maybe it's just not assumed anymore, but it was almost became a cliche that Bryce Hamilton would be gone. One, do you still believe that? And two, if that's the case, who would be the most surprising beside him name in the transfer portal? I think you're looking at probably Jenkins and Hamilton are guys who they've been in college, you know, three years for Hamilton, four years for Jenkins now. And if they have, if they have inclinations of of playing beyond college and they want to make a a living at it, neither of them helped their stock this year. Like they are not getting better as players. So why would you stay in college? Like, so I would expect both of those guys to heavily consider their options. Jenkins, I, would expect to, to test out the transfer portal. Hamilton, I would expect to um, test out the draft process. But I think those are probably the two biggest names that you're looking at replacing next year. How realistic is it that they can get two or three players in the transfer portal that are better than Bryce Hamilton and David Jenkins? In a normal year, a year that we were kind of uh, used to a transfer, I'd say, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough, but... Everyone seems to think that the transfer portal is the place to be, you know, the day after the season ends. It, it's, it sounds like, you know, between expanded classes because of the extra COVID year and the NCAA is expected to pass this rule where um, it's instant eligibility, there's no more sitting out a year. Everyone thinks that the transfer portal is going to be jammed with good players. So I think if you're, you never want to be in this situation where you have to, you know, sort of use an instant mix to build an NCAA tournament team, but that's what they need to do. If you have to do that, this is probably the offseason because it's expected to be a big year for the transfer portal. So if you need a center, you can go out and pick from, you know, maybe a handful of centers that you like. If you need a point guard, there's probably going to be some good point guards available. So um, better this year than maybe five years ago to go hunting on the transfer market. Uh People see these reports and shake their heads, but they're obviously connections to Iowa State with the family, with him, with Oslover, all that. And, and just look, based on the record the last year, two years, I think it's fair people on the outside would be like, why in the world would they want him at this point? But let me ask you this. One, if he was offered it, I think everyone's assumption is you have to go. It's the Big 12. You make a lot of more money. Could you ever see him saying, you know what? I just haven't done what I was supposed to do here. And on that other end, if you're Desiree Reed Francois and he has offered that job, have you seen enough to where you'd actually try to keep him at that point? I think that Desiree probably likes him enough that she would want to keep him. Um, but and I do think that he would probably take that job, uh, obviously, at Iowa State. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation where they know him better than these two years. Like, UNLV fans had no idea who he was before he was hired, so they judge him by these two seasons and these two seasons alone. And people in Iowa State, he was there for a while. Um, He he probably made, obviously, if he's being rumored for this job, he made good connections. People he's he's highly thought of there. They know him for more than these two seasons. So I can understand why he would be um, in the mix. But, uh, yeah, he would definitely, I think, jump at that job. UNLV has not gone it has not gone according to script. Like they have, right. after year two, it was not supposed to be like this with a, a rebuild and your top recruit, um, you know, fatal DUI. Like it's it's going poorly. So mm-hmm. if you, there's no reason to not jump ship if a better opportunity becomes available. 
Uh, you tweeted out last week, uh, what's better than a full turkey dinner at 3 p.m. and a plate of yeah. turkey, green beans, and corn? Uh, my <laughs> question for you, what is the most like viral one of your food tweets has gone in terms of people dunking on you on Twitter? Oh, I don't know. It would probably be probably a steak that I did that was too well done for some people's taste. Um, that, that turkey one that you're referencing um, drew a few comments. Most people seem to think it was dry. Um, and maybe one of the salads that I've, I've done. Because people don't like the salads. But I've done that so many times that I think it's uh, people are sort of used to that by now. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They, they don't go viral for the right reasons. So well, I don't know. If well, I feel like you're doing it on purpose, trying to pull that off. No, you're trying to go viral with people dunking on your food. No, because uh, you can't try to go viral. Let's feel like that's like trying to give yourself a nickname. Like you can't try to go viral. Like it's, it's something <laughs> no, that happens naturally. Um, so no, I I just if I'm enjoying something, you know, I get it. If I if I've got the plate, you know, and the light is hitting it the right way, and it's the, <laughs> it's magic hour, and it's just, it looks really nice. Magic hour. By it, I'm like, oh wow, let me let me let me tweet out a picture of this and share in my life. So that's it. You, magic. Well, I don't know about magic hour, but do you? I was going to ask you this actually when I saw the picture because it doesn't appear to be ever uh, like deli turkey. Like you don't go to Smith's and like say, "Hey, I need a pound of turkey." Uh, there are other, except huge turkeys. There are some, you know, cutlets you can cook. What what kind of turkey is this? Do you actually like put it on at six a.m. and cook a turkey, or what kind of no, meat is this? Because I don't think it's you, deli. No, if you go to the the supermarket in like the frozen section, they have like a frozen turkey that you just put in the oven. It's like oven ready. You take it from the freezer, you put it in a a, a pan, and you put it in the oven for like three hours, and it's good <laughs> to go. And that's what I do. Like I'm not, I'm not sitting there like trussing up the legs and you know basting a turkey and doing all that, and inserting a thermometer. No, that's no. But this is good. It's good. This is like uh, the next best thing. So, uh, dumb question here: Do you use salt or pepper? I use a little salt. Oh, okay. That's right? that's oh, an okay. upset. That's yeah. an upset. Yeah. I'm just I'm just looking, and I'm just thinking corn and green beans, and I know you're not even going to go as far as to like put butter on them or something. That's yeah. got to be terrible to eat those things with literally nothing on them. Well, the vegetables, you mean? Yes, yeah. the corn and the green yeah. beans. No, they carry themselves. I think um, <laughs> like, like those those are two very flavorful vegetables. The <laughs> corn, like sweet corn, especially, and then. Like the green beans, like the you, you, I don't know even what you would add to it. Like there's not, like what what would be even be the accepted condiment to well, put on like corn? You, you could put some you could put some butter on both of them. Well, but they're vegetables. It's supposed to be like a, <laughs> like you can't slather it in butter. That's like the purpose of vegetables, right? Am I getting this wrong? I, I feel like I'm completely off, and there's just something I, I'm not getting. You guys are. Mike, looking at your plate, a little dab of butter on the corn and the green bean yeah. is not going to push you over the edge to being unhealthy. You've got like three cups of corn on this plate, and there's nothing on the corn. That's not going to make it taste better. Like, how is butter going to make corn or green beans or like a vegetable taste better? That's not. Butter that's makes not everything a, taste better. What are you talking about? That's the whole point of butter. It makes everything taste better. We established I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to food. 
I, what do you more? What do you know more about food or Meghan Merkel and Prince Harry? Food for sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, all I know is that yeah, they princess royal family. I'll look it up after we're done here. Okay. Well, you uh, right. fill us in once you do find out. He's Mike yeah. Grillbala. Mike, as always, we appreciate. Thanks, it. Mike. Take Thank care. you, guys. Uh, that's that's uh well I, I I still don't know what the magic hour means um in terms of uh, him eating but I got to be honest with you I didn't even know there were this might be you know uh, funny on me but I didn't know there were three hour frozen turkeys ready to go in in, in non in non uh, winter seasons I mean like in the summer are you cooking a it, turkey It's frozen turkey breast that you put in the oven. Yeah, so they're that's not full turkeys. They're not huge turkeys like you get on Thanksgiving. No, it's wow. yeah, it's frozen turkey breast. You just throw it in the oven. But doesn't see, typically it doesn't seem you like add you well. know you typically add something of you know salt or pepper or some yeah. sort of seasoning. It doesn't seem like it would taste well without defrosting it. Again, I'm assuming that he doesn't actually own an oven. What he owns is a like jerky. Machine. Oh, <laughs> jerky machine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, I needed a glass of water after seeing that picture. That's yeah, how dry that food is. Yes. yes. Um, Jared, do we need to go to break or do I, or should I, I, I have a story about why I hate corn and I don't know if I should do it now or if we should go to break and I'll Ooh, just do it after the break. it. Okay. Yeah, all right. Geez, that's a press, press box transition. If I ever story, story coming up about why I I hate corn and it's one of the worst foods ever. After the break. Bohannon passed up on the three, drives inside, floats a pass to the baseline where Luca Garza catches and scores. It's the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. That was the saddest preview sound we have ever had. We might get to Luca Garza in the front page, but we played audio of Bohead and into Garza. He catches and scores. All right, here's my corn story. So when I grew up, I was a picky eater. Uh, I ate a lot like Mike Grimala eats when I was about seven years old. Uh, I didn't like to try many things. I didn't like sauces. I didn't like things to be touching, that type of stuff. I was a very picky eater when I was like seven years old. And when I was about seven or eight years old, uh, I became scarred from eating corn. So we sat down at dinner and uh, my grandmother was in town and like we had all there, all our plates were made or whatever. And I went and took a bite of corn and like I started gagging like it was the most disgusting thing I'd ever put in my mouth. Well, my parents we're like, oh, he's a picky eater. Just eat it. It's fine. It's just corn. It's not a big deal, right? Like, he stopped being dramatic about eating a spoonful of corn. Well, my grandmother then took a bite of the corn, and she was like, oh, no, this is disgusting. So what happened with the corn is we had corn the night before, and this was leftovers. And somebody had left the corn out and left it in the microwave, and... Oh. The next day, when we were getting ready to eat leftovers, somebody came by, just saw the corners in the microwave, and thought, oh, somebody already put this in the microwave. Let's start it to heat it up, reheated it again, and put it on the plates. And it was revolting, disgusting corn, and therefore I can't eat corn ever again. It's gross. What a story. Jesus. So don't I... leave your corn in the microwave overnight. 
Also, believe your kids when they look like they're about to vomit after eating a spoonful of corn. See, Don't call them liars. The problems I've had in the past, and you might have had the same, is if I ever got sick eating something, I'll never eat it again. I know like I have if it. If I ever got food poisoning from something, I I will. There are three or four things I got food poisoning or sick as kid. I've never had again. I won't eat them. There's a that's an actual, um, that's an actual thing. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, we talked about it. Weirdness. In, well, no, that like most that's people. Like if you get sick yeah. eating one type of food, you'll never eat that yeah. food again. That's just like, the only exception that they found uh, when they've done studies about this is alcohol. <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, no, I'm yeah, not kidding. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the one thing that, like... Yeah. I mean, I'm not going on a limb here, but if there's a bottle of red wine in the house that's bad, we're going to get more. Uh, or, not me. But, uh, no. I mean, if, if the world was ending in the next, like, six months, and the only thing you could eat is a Cobb salad, I'm I'm dead in a week uh, of starvation. So wait, no way I'm having a Cobb salad. What happened no, to Cobb no salad? Chance. What happened no. to Cobb salad? I got food poisoning. It's over forever. I'm never, I'll never do it again. What was it? Wait, what's in Cobb salad? You can it had to be the eggs. It had to be the eggs. Okay, okay. Okay. It's I do. I, go ahead. Sorry, it's called Condition Taste Aversion, and it's yeah. basically, okay. it's a, it's something all humans have with almost every, like, if you get sick eating a food, you will yeah. never want to eat that food without if, it making you sick, except, you know, rum. If, if the gods from above said the world's ending in a year you can only eat cob salad or sloppy joes i'm dead in a week i'm done how many how many things are on this Quick, list question also though is <laughs> a, a cob salad is like four things like can yeah. you eat eggs by themselves absolutely eat them all the time can you eat bacon by itself absolutely lettuce by itself absolutely can't remember the fourth thing in cob salad it has to be the dressing, right? I don't know what kind it is. It's just I, I, I can't get in my head. If someone says, hey, here's a nice Cobb salad, to be like, you're out of your mind. I have no chance. See, the only uh, thing on my list is corn. I don't think I have anything. I mean, we think ricotta makes me faint, but uh, that's that would, be <laughs> the, that would be the only other one. I thought, it was on that, I thought it was a nerve. Yeah, that gets triggered by ricotta. That's, that's what it is. Ed, do you have enough time to tell yes. us what the magic yes. hour is? Mike Gramala has told me what the magic hour is. The period of time right before sunrise and shortly after sunset is called the magic hour, uh, especially uh, with uh, cinematographers. During this time, the brightness of the sky matches the brightness of streetlights, signs, car headlights, and lit windows. I guess this is the only time of the day this guy eats is the magic Well, here's the problem. He posted that picture at 3 p.m. Oh. That does not sound like the magic hour to me. No, he said. Well, well, I mean, looking at the food, he could probably have like kept it on the uh, uh, on the table for six hours, and it would have tasted the same. So, you know, that's probably a good thing of how he eats. You never have to eat it right after you make it, because that thing could sit there for six hours. It'll be the same thing. I mean, you and I eat, and Jared eats. Usually, you know, it's out of the oven. Okay, it's time to eat. Gramala puts it down. He says, "All right, I'm gonna go work out. I'll be back in three hours." It's the same thing. Might, might be less dry by then. <laughs>